afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Rob Port. You're listening to the Rob Report here on WDAY. Your call in number 701 293 9000. 888 970 is the toll-free number. You can email talk at We're, uh, obviously a lot happened yesterday with the Dakota Access Pipeline. You know, we spent just about the whole show uh, talking about, the you know, what was going on. And obviously it went late into the evening. Just a, Just an ugly situation. I don't care what flavor of politics you are, what side of the pipeline issue you're on. Uh, what happened yesterday was unacceptable. Um, and so we're going to talk more about that today. Uh, and we're also going to talk with uh, Democratic gubernatorial candidate Marvin Nell. Uh, so certainly call in or, or email with your questions. We have Marvin on the line right now. Marvin, welcome. Yeah. Good afternoon, Rob. Hey, good afternoon. Um, ugly day down, uh, down at... Uh, the area of Standing Rock, the area of the Dakota Access Pipeline. Um, do you feel like would it, it, it tell us? I mean, your, your views of the situation as as a man who, uh, if if you win the election uh, in November, uh, this could be your problem uh, next year. So, what what's your take on it? Yeah, well, anybody that's in the office is going to have some remnants of this at the very least. Uh, you know, I mean, it's we're we're at that point uh, where. You know, you just can't go out and block highways or, or take over uh, private property. Um, it doesn't matter, you know, what the, uh, the governor has a responsibility here, and it doesn't matter really what his feelings would be about the pipeline or about any other uh, business in the state that's, that's being conducted. You know, people have a right to protest, uh, but they don't have a right to, to interfere with that business or decide on themselves that the business should be conducted. So... The governor really has no choice. He has to he has to allow that business to proceed. And uh, it it got ugly yesterday. You're right about that. And and hopefully it'll it'll calm down a little bit here now. But uh, you know our big problem is uh, looking forward. Is we don't know how much forward we have to look forward to. Uh, we're we're really stuck. And and uh, the governor has to somehow uh, get the federal. Of people to make a decision one way or another we need a decision so we know where we're going is, is that because that's certainly something that we hear a lot from the republicans is they are very frustrated with the obama administration that they sort of uh even as even as a federal judge um didn't rule 100 percent in favor but certainly rejected the tribe's arguments in favor of an injunction refused to, to to issue an injunction, which typically is a pretty good sign of which way the, the case is gonna is gonna come out. Um, you know, really re- rejected the tribe's arguments, went through and very thoroughly sort of rejected their arguments that they weren't consulted. Um, and then within minutes of, of that that federal ruling being issued by an Obama appointee, uh, James Bozberg, over in Washington D.C., the Obama administration comes out and and you know, basically pulls or, or, or stops the, 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 the process on issuing an easement to cross Lake Oahe. So now you have a pipeline that's over 1,000 miles long, that's mostly complete, and we have 1,100 feet going under Lake Oahe uh, that the Obama administration is sitting on. Now, Republicans have said that a lot of what's happening down there right now is President Obama's fault because he's, not, he's, he, he's basically put us in, in, in a point of limbo. Do you agree with that? 
Well, if you just started at this moment in time, now the company started construction on a $3.8 billion project without having everything in place. And then they've, they've really uh, had a mode of operation where they try to force everybody's hands. So, I mean, that's the risk they take when they go forward when they don't have all the paperwork in their hands. And, uh, but, but, you know, but, but the Army Corps... The, 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 uh, the Army Corps but, had but, said but, but, that but, I they... Mean, you can, everything can look good. I, when I built my store, everything looked good. It was fall of the year. It was freezing up. We didn't know if we could dig footings tomorrow. Everything looked good, and yet I didn't dig the footings until I had the actual paperwork in my hand. Ask any real estate agent if everything sounds good, everything's promised, but if you go ahead and move into a house before you close, or you let somebody move into your house before you're closed, things happen. And why would a company move ahead with a $3.8 billion project when they don't have everything, everything? Well, what I was, well, what I was, what I was going to say, what I was going to say, Marvin, is that the, the Army Corps of Engineers had issued a recommendation that, that, that the, the easement be issued. So that was complete. It looked yeah. like the thing was on rails. Now, now I, I, I understand the point that you're making, but do you think that's the right way for the government to be doing business? Because it sure feels like the Obama administration's moving the goalposts after the fact here. Well, yeah. And, and you know, the thing is, it's all, all I can do is I've looked at, at the public record and stuff, and, and you know, I, I see things where, like, for instance, the application didn't talk about the source water protected area there, and it looks like uh, they messed up. It really looks a little bit in the application like the company tried to slide one past the regulators. And so I get a, I get a little concerned with the whole process. It looks like at least initially it probably moved ahead faster than it should have. And yeah, at this end now it's kind of second-guessing and, and so on, and that's, that's a problem. But uh, like I say, you know, there was no, no final thing. I think uh, my understanding was even that it's got to get an okay from Congress, technically, usually just a rubber stamp. But, you know, do you, do you want to move ahead without having the paperwork? That's, that's your responsibility. That's your problem. I don't feel too sorry for the pipeline company. But, you know, there we uh, are now. I, I, now I, 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 don't, I don't know. I, I think... I, 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 th- I think a lot of people look at your political party who has, has really politicized the, this pipeline process, whether it was the Keystone Pipeline, uh, then it was the Sandpiper Pipeline. There seems to be a faction within your party that just that doesn't want to build pipelines, that wants to leave the oil in the ground, and seems to be willing to, to, to play political games and, and, and to play political ma- manipulation to, to stop the infrastructure, and I, I think that is frustrating to a lot of people who want a thorough and regu- you know rigorous regulatory process, but also wants there to be a finish line so that we know that once all the boxes are checked and once everything's been completed, they can actually build a pipeline and not yeah. have to play political games with Congress or the president. Yeah, and I agree. Once all the boxes are checked, that, that should be it. And, and the thing is, though, look at what happens here. This company went out and bought pipe just like Sandpiper did, just like Keystone XL did, when they didn't even have a siting application in yet. I mean, they're already spending money, already buying pipe. What does that tell you about the process? Does it really look like there's a question here of whether they're going to get to build the pipeline or not? Uh, I mean, if if the process is really working, then it should be that you go through the process and you check all the boxes, and then once all the boxes are checked, I agree. 
you should be able to go ahead. And it shouldn't matter whether the president doesn't like it. It shouldn't matter whether the Congress or the governor doesn't like it. If you've gone through the whole legal process and you've got everything in place, you should be entitled to finish it. Take your project. Well, I, 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 I feel like this pipeline company feels like they did go through the process, and now they're being put through the political ringer. Let me ask you about something that happened yesterday, though, because back in March, your your party, and I, I know you, uh, you've been very critical of, of Donald Trump and very critical of, of North Dakota Republicans supporting Donald Trump. Back in March, we saw some acts of violence at, at Trump rallies, and Democratic Party Chairwoman Kylie Overson said this, I quote, Extremism of any form is unacceptable, and North Dakotans deserve representatives at all levels of government who stand up against hatred and denounce violence to bridge divides. Do you right. think your party should should denounce what happened with with the the Dakota Access protesters yesterday? Uh, apparently, firing a a, a, a pistol or, or a gun of some sort, a revolver, well, I, I think, at, at at police officers, lighting fires, throwing rocks, refusing to to, to clear a, a highway. Uh, should the party denounce that? Well, you know, I, I guess it's it's their decision as, as, as individuals. I mean, I'm cl- clearly, you know, if there a lady pulled a, a pistol in the front lines there or any place else, she was clearly out of line, and I hope she spent some time in prison. I would say that guy too that was driving around with the pickup with that AR-15 and stuff on the on the tribal side of the barricade that appears to have been a private security officer. I would say he was completely out of line as well. It's it's really lucky we didn't end up with some people dead after his action. And, and uh, so there, there, there is. I mean, that, we we do not want violence. And and the thing is, is that any side here that commits violence actually hurts hurts their side uh, because public just isn't going to accept it. And I I don't accept it either. And uh, that that you know there gets to be down on there in the line. There's some pushing, there's shoving. It can get be, be pretty intense. But there's a different level when somebody whips a pistol out and starts shooting at things. That's absolutely completely out of control over the line and and there shouldn't be any leniency given to that person whatsoever because you can create a whole explosive situation when you're in the middle that shouldn't even brought that pistol there that that was completely out of line do you uh chairman archambault um condemned the actions of law enforcement yesterday uh he uh, uh accused them and i'm quoting from his statement here uh, of acts of violence against innocent, prayerful people. Do you agree with that? Do you think law enforcement acted appropriately yesterday? I would have to. I would have to come down on the side that I believe it was an appropriate response that they had to do what it took uh, to get the uh, people off the highway and off the private land. I, uh, you know, they, they, you know, second guessing exactly what they did. I'm not going to get into that game. Uh, they were there. Uh, they were reacting to the situation. They're trained personnel, and uh, I'm, I'm going to just trust that they they didn't uh, use any more force than was necessary. But uh, the, the, the people cannot go out there on that private land or on that North Dakota highway and set up camp and blockade the highway. That's just unacceptable. All right. Uh, when we come back, I want to uh, get into some more issues of the campaign, talking with Democratic candidate Marvin Nelson, 701-293-9000, He's running for governor. He'll take your questions. Call in. We'll be right back.
Welcome back, Rob Port on WDAY, speaking with Democratic gubernatorial candidate Marvin Nelson. And we're coming down to the closing weeks of the campaign, Marvin, and we're starting to hear from your opponent, Doug Burgum, uh, some of his ideas uh, for the government. Gover- <coughs> excuse me, the government uh, should he be elected? Uh, you know, he's talking about you know fundamentally uh, f- sort of changing the way government works, and then also um, his his Main Street initiative. And I, I I'll tell you one one area that I've been I've been a little bit critical of of Doug Burgum is sometimes the way he talks about the governorship. It's like he thinks he's going to be the CEO of North Dakota and the legislature is just a division of North Dakota Incorporated, which anybody understanding the separation of powers and the three, three branches of government knows that's not how it works. Um, so I mean, what, what are your takes when you hear him saying some of these things, when you hear him talk about the Main Street Initiative? What's your response? Well, you know, first, uh, I guess to talk about, you know, he came out and said, oh, we should do zero-sum uh, budgeting, which if we actually do zero-sum budgeting, I don't know why he thinks this is such a great revelation. We constantly have this stream of businessmen who've never done anything in government come in and say we should do zero-sum uh, budgeting. Uh, it goes back at least to Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter was a big proponent of it. And the problem is, on a government level, it doesn't work. It just never worked. It's been tried hundreds of times. And if, if he just spent a little time on the Internet with his smartphone, like he talks about doing, he would he would know that. So, I mean, that's just, a, a, <laughs> you know, you're either going to have to have a mini legislative session while people come in and explain everything to the governor, or we can just go, if the, if the legislature is supposed to do zero-sum budgeting, we can just go to a full-time professional legislature, because that's how much time it's going to take to do zero-sum budgeting on the state level. It's just a, 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 just a mistake. Uh, the Main Street initiative, I looked at that, and I was waiting for Marty Risky to come out with a strip mall initiative where, where we had to put beauty shops in every, every uh, uh, strip mall, hair salons, uh, because uh, I've never seen such a self-serving uh, initiative put out uh, by a candidate in my life. Uh, it doesn't seem that he has a clue uh, what he's going to do for the Harveys or the Ellendales or the Jamestowns even. Uh, he's written everything out that basically the savior of North Dakota is we're going to pour a whole bunch of money into Broadway and Fargo, and that's that's going to be what we do. I mean, it's it's just uh, uh, I, I I I'm just shocked that the, that a candidate would even dare come out with that during a campaign. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. I, I don't. I can't speak for the candidate. Obviously, I suspect his response would be to, to your criticism would be that you know the, the mainstream. It's, it's something that could be applied uh, across the state. That that if we you know sort of revitalize and do because he does say some things that are pretty interesting when he talks about denser development, having fewer uh, you know not necessarily you know building. Uh, development that's so spread out, having fewer miles of, of road to plow, um, you know, fewer square miles to provide police and fire protection with. Uh, some of that stuff makes sense to me. I mean, as a, as a conservative, that makes sense to me. Are, are those the ideas you're opposed to, or, or what specifically are, are you opposed to? I, I, I didn't say that I'm opposed to it, but, you know, uh, back to, again, you go to downtown Harvey. Well, there's no four- or five-story building to remodel into apartments and stuff. I mean, if you're going to build new, because there's there's nothing old that you're really going to be able to do what he says you need to do, if you're going to build living quarters and stuff in downtown Harvey, you're going to take several, <laughs> several years of city budget uh, to build that building, because no one can do it at a profit. 
There's no money in it. You can't do it. You can't make it. So then you're going to have to subsidize that building, and you're going to have to literally take years of city budget to build one building. The, the thing is, is downtown Fargo, uh, to some extent Grand Forks, although the flood and the fires had quite an effect there, uh, there's probably enough there that Bismarck could do this. Uh, mine it, I, I don't think mine it. But you get beyond that, this initiative does not work. And the problem comes is really we've already had an initiative that worked for downtown Fargo, and it's time to, it got to be a place you want to do business. It's time to quit using the state subsidies to build downtown Fargo. It, it should be able to build on its own. It, it, we need to really work on, on programs that work for some of these small communities and stuff and revitalize there. And tax credits isn't it, because normally the people trying to develop these small towns uh, don't need tax credits. So, you know, if we're going to give him millions of dollars in tax credits that he could use, what's the difference if we turn around and give some people some grants in order to try and do some of this? But the basic premise uh, is fine. It, it makes some sense in a, in a city like Fargo and stuff because of what's already downtown. But it isn't there. I mean, we literally have to build new in these other cities. And the cost of building new, you can plow a lot of streets, let me tell you. So, so there, there, there's a balance here that needs to be reached. But it, 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 it just that whole initiative that he's talking about just does not work at all for most of the cities in the state of North Dakota. Marvin, thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Yes, Rob. Thank you. It's gubernatorial candidate Marvin Nelson, running as a Democrat, of course. More to come straight ahead on the Rob Report, 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Open phones, rest of the show. Email to talk at WDAY.com. Don't go away. WDAY. Your call in numbers. We're going to have open phones here, so if you want to call in, you'll get in. 701 293 9000 888 9700 9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Just finished up with uh, State Representative Marvin Nelson, who, of course, is running for, running for uh, governor. And um, you know, talking about some of uh, some of his initiatives, and of course, the uh, Dakota Access Pipeline uh, mess is still going on. As a matter of fact, I just had a press release drop in my inbox that uh, they are stopping. Uh, they were going to be holding a, uh, a media availability today with law enforcement. They have canceled that due to some ongoing. I guess there's still a standoff. Um, I believe it's still at the Backwater Bridge, if I'm understanding correctly. Um, they have cleared uh, the northern camp. That was the camp that was on the Cannonball Ranch, uh, and I believe Highway 1806. That roadblock has been cleared. Um, I don't think that the highway is open yet, but I do. Uh, there's another county road there, and I'm forgetting the, the number of the county road. I believe they're still blocked there. So that um, continues to be ongoing. Um, yesterday was was so ugly, and it it really. It really just left me sad. I mean, it's, it's, this is so far beyond the debate over the pipeline because we can have that debate, and people have different feelings about it, and that's fine. This is America. You're allowed to do that. Um, as a matter of fact, that's what makes our country great. Uh, but this is this is not about a pipeline anymore. 
Um, this is about whether or not a group of people with a political point of view are allowed to try to impose that point of view on the rest of us with, you know, violence, frankly, and, and with, with unlawful activities. You know, uh, you cannot, and you heard you heard uh, Marvin Nelson talk about it. You cannot just block a highway. It, it's it's really sort of amazing to me some of the comments we've heard in in response to what happened yesterday. For instance, and I'm I'm quoting here from a uh, Mike Nowatsky article uh, that published either late last night or this morning. Uh, this is the ACLU of North Dakota responding to what happened yesterday. They said, "I quote." The use of military equipment and excessive police force against DAPL protesters as a means to intimidate and stifle demonstrations and nonviolent acts of civil disobedience is an unnecessary and costly show of force from the North Dakota government. That's from the ACLU. The, uh, the other response I thought was, frankly, disappointing was Chairman David Archambault's response, which, by the way, Chairman Archambault, wasn't in North Dakota yesterday, right? So this guy who has been spending a lot of time talking about how he promotes peaceful, prayerful protest was in New York yesterday while his people were acting as cannon fodder for an extremist environmental agenda. Uh, This was his statement that he sent out yesterday after protesters had been throwing Molotov cocktails at police officers, after... A gun had been pulled and three shots fired at a police line after protesters had set fires and thrown rocks at law enforcement. After law enforcement, by the way, offered these protesters an opportunity to leave the area peacefully. This is what Chairman Archambault put out in a statement. I quote, militarized law enforcement agencies moved in on water protectors with tanks and today. We continue to pray for peace. We call on the state of North Dakota to oversee the actions of local law enforcement to first and foremost ensure everyone's safety. The Department of Justice must send overseers immediately to ensure the protection of First Amendment rights and the safety of thousands here at Standing Rock. DOJ can no longer ignore our requests. If harm comes to any who come here to stand in solidarity with us, it is on their watch. They must step in and hold the state of North Dakota and Morton County accountable for their acts of violence against innocent, prayerful people. Right, so so the ACLU, Chairman Archambault, and you had a bunch of other groups out there, all saying celebrities and whatnot, all saying that that the police acted violently against the, against the protesters. But yet on Wednesday, the police met with the protesters and said, "Listen, you need to leave, or we're going to have to come in and clear you out. And if you leave, nobody will be arrested. Just go back to your camps. That's all you got to do." And then yesterday, if you watch the videos, as the police were, even as they were advancing on the protesters, they were saying, if you leave the area, you won't be arrested. If you just pack up and go home, you will not be arrested. That's all they had to do to avoid that conflict yesterday. All they had to do was pack up and go home, and they didn't. They chose conflict with the police, and now they want to play the victim. And it's ridiculous because they are not the victims. They are the aggressors. They created that situation. The governor, law enforcement, they have no choice. That is a public highway. We cannot set a precedent whereby any group of yahoos who wants to make a political point can block a highway or can occupy somebody else's property to make their political point with no no legal repercussions. You cannot do those things. They are illegal. 
Because you know what? Other people have rights too. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Which, which, by the way, is is why it's important. I put up a a post today on the blog calling for North Dakota Democratic Party Chairwoman Kylie Oberson uh, to condemn the the acts of violence yesterday. I, I think it's important that the North Dakota Democratic Party do this. For one thing, because they were so quick to condemn acts of violence at Trump rallies. And believe me, I'm not... I'm not going to defend Trump. I've never defended Trump. I'm not a Trump supporter. They condemned acts of riot violence at Trump rallies. Fine. That was back in March. But in August, Chairwoman Overson explicitly on Facebook declared solidarity with the Dakota Access protesters. They need to condemn this. And the reason why it's important, this isn't a political gotcha thing. The reason why this is important is because while in our society we should we can and should give an unlimited amount of room for peaceful political speech. We should give an unlimited amount of room for, for debate that doesn't involve unlawful activity, that doesn't involve violence. We should allow all of it that people want to engage in. But we should give no quarter to violence. We should give no quarter to illegal activities, no quarter to intimidation and fear. I would use, uh, frankly, I would use the word terrorism for what happened yesterday. And I know that's a loaded term post 9-11. I know it's come to mean something than it did before 9-11. I know it's been politicized in a lot of ways. But I think what happened yesterday, it is a group of people using intimidation and fear to try to get their way. And we shouldn't allow it. There is no room. Law enforcement acted. They're doing the best job that they can. But they are being put in an impossible situation where they have to enforce the law against a bunch of people who want conflict. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Karen, you're on. What's up? Well, I was glad yesterday that I'm sure that lots of -of out-of-state protesters were put into jail, but I wish they could be sent back to New York or wherever they came from. Yeah. You know, that's that's one of the things. And actually, if, if you watch some of the uh, the social media accounts for the protesters, they're actually talking about ways in which they can maximize arrests, ways in which they can maximize the number of people in jail in order to explicitly run up the co- the costs for the state of North Dakota. The head of the North Dakota Department, or not the uh, spokesperson, Cecily Fong, for the uh, North Dakota Department of Emergency Services, uh, said yesterday... Uh, we could be in the dozens of millions of dollars for the cost of the state of North Dakota for this. And really, there's no way to, to share that cost anywhere else. Maybe the federal government. The federal government should step in and do something since they're creating a lot of this problem. Anyway, more to come straight ahead. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email me, talk at WDAY.com, or send me a tweet, at Rob Port. We'll be right back. Don't go away. I'm going down, 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 down. Welcome back, Rob Port. You're listening to the Rob Report here on WDAY. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Hey, uh, coming up on the Jay Thomas Show, he's going to have uh, Darius, I think it's uh, Darius Andres. Andres? He's the owner of Sports Vape. Uh, he's going to be on with Jay in Studio 2 
to talk about what Measure 4 means for vaping in North Dakota that passes. And uh, if I, were you, I would stay tuned for that. I think that's one of the things that have certain got a, gotten lost in the shuffle over Measure 4. It's been all about tobacco. But the measure lumps vaping in with tobacco. I don't think that's right. Uh, we can't pick and choose which parts of this, this measure that we want to pass and we don't want to pass. And uh, listen, I, I think it's problematic. I think vaping could be a real key towards moving people on a, on a healthier path uh, in terms of using nicotine. And, uh, and Measure 4 is, is going to put up an obstacle for it because I think the, the, the blinkered, uh, hidebound ideologues who are in the uh, tobacco movement today can't seem to distinguish a difference between traditional tobacco use and vaping. Um, mostly because I, 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 think, I think the anti-tobacco movement has become a lot about puritanism. Right. I, it's 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 almost as though vaping looks like smoking, kind of, sort of. So therefore, it must be smoking and therefore we must treat it the same way under the law, which seems a little ridiculous. Um, let's see. Uh, wrapping up here, uh, Dakota Access. I don't know. There's probably going to be more developments. There's still an, an ongoing standoff down there. Uh, it seems like weekends are when things really heat up down there, too. Uh, so I'm I'm sure we're going to see a bunch more over the weekend and a bunch more arrests and uh, I don't know I, I folks I think it's like this we weather that North Dakota is famous for and maybe some of those folks go home um, or we get a new president in and and the project just goes forward I I fully expect the Dakota Access Pipeline is eventually going to get built I think the protesters are fighting a losing battle I think that they're uh, I, I think that this is overreach. I, I, I think the environmental extremists have, have overreached here. I, I think people are having a hard time when we're all still using gasoline in our cars. This idea that we should leave the oil in the ground when we're all still using it. I think people are having a hard time understanding that. Uh, and I think for the tribes, I think people are having a hard time after they didn't engage in the process. Now they're throwing a tantrum at the zero hour. Um I don't know. I think it's going to make it harder for, for the state and the tribe to work together going forward. And that's that's just too bad. You know, the Native American communities in our country are, are sometimes far too isolated from the rest of the population to begin with. And the last thing we need is, is to further harm that relationship. But it's happening. And uh, frankly, I think it's the tribe's own doing. Jay Thomas show straight ahead. They're going to talk measure four. Stay tuned for that. You can catch me here 1 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday, 24 hours a day, seven days a week at sayanythingblog.com. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.